know Your ass better call somebody I'm gonna have to go tell the world exactly what's on the list of Jericho. You just made the list! I want Dusty Rose, the legendary American dream. Well, you got all of it you can stand, baby. Nobody runs down my people. Give me a hell yeah! What? Believe that. Wrestling fans, are you ready? Let's get ready to rumble! Hey guys, quick disclaimer before we start the show, I was not feeling 100% when we recorded this podcast, allergies have been kicking my butt, so I apologize for not being the perfect 10 and sounding 100%, now let's get started. Good evening ladies and gentlemen, or good morning, or good afternoon, depending on when you are hearing this podcast, man, it has been a while since you have heard that opening theme Yes, Just Bring It Wrestling Talk is back, and so is the XF Podcast. Uh, We apologize for being gone for so long because it wasn't that we didn't want to talk. It's just that we were having audio difficulties after switching uh, platforms. (laughs) The entire setup, uh, it's been difficult to figure out uh, as we're still learning every day. (laughs) I I think we're pretty decent at this, but unfortunately... Yeah, we were having trouble with audio. I would speak, and you can hear me clearly, but then uh, James, a.k.a. J-Dash, would. He would basically sound like he was on a whole nother planet. Uh, but it looks like we are good. Uh, James, you want to say what's up, man? What's up, ladies and gentlemen? And welcome to another edition of Just Bring Wrestling Talk. Minus the weather. Uh, if we didn't have weather, we would have had this podcast out. And minus the technology difficulties, if we did that, you would have heard our predictions of Extreme Rules and our observations of last week. Unfortunately, we missed a lot of coverage, but we're not going to go back two weeks. We're going to start Extreme Rules, and we're going to break down this past week in the WWE. Um, a lot of interesting events, but hey, it's a work in progress. At least I'm not standing 10,000 feet away yelling at you. It sounds like I'm in the podcast, but yeah, I'm ready. Let's go. Let's do it. Well, it is... What is it? What is it? Oh, let's, yeah, let's do it. Sunday morning or Sunday night or Friday night, whatever time you get the chance to listen to this. 
It's pretty much 12.30 as we're recording this, as we were also dealing with bad weather, because power going out earlier, and then boom, more rain at night, which was screwing up the signal, so we had to reboot, we had to delete the last part. <laughs> so we're back again. Uh, we may as well talk a little bit about Extreme Rules real quick, because look, Monday Night Raw and SmackDown, I've already come and gone, the pay-per-view is over, you guys already know uh, what's been going on, so I feel like we may as well just give you a quick rundown of, uh, of our feelings of Extreme Rules. Maybe one day we'll go back and do like a little retrospective on it but unfortunately due to the problems we've been having uh we're not going to be able to talk about extreme rules for too long but uh one thing to get out of the way right away that's been driving me crazy is the way they've been treating oscar i feel like right now she's more or less broken the mystique that she had is pretty much gone now that's just gone the way of the dodo bird they brought her in she was nxt champion she was undefeated for years and has not been able to get up after falling on her face at wrestlemania and of course for some reason uh vince wants to push carmella way more and he's protecting the hell out of her, but exposing the hell out of Asuka. And that's been ruining her. Uh, pretty much exposing as badly as uh, James Ellsworth when he was hanging by the cage. You could see the strap keeping him up. <laughs> uh, Shisuke Nakamura versus Jeff Hardy for the United States Championship. That sucked. That was terrible. Did not like that. It was only like a six-second match and was very underwhelming. Uh, your boy Baron Corbin beats Finn Balor. Didn't really feel a whole lot for that one. Uh, the oh, the storyline. No, 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 no. Get that wrong. <laughs> well, you, you'll be able to tell your side. One no, thing. no, 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 no. Finn Balor beat Ben Corbin. Oh, no, yeah, you're right. Uh, he had him in the roll-up, did he not? <laughs> yeah. uh, like I said, I've, I've got SmackDown and Raw on the mind. So, my mistake. Of course, Baron Corbin is your boy, but oh, I do remember is the B-team winning. That was good. I like that. Uh, again, the storyline was a little lackadaisical, but we'll get back to that as the new episode of, uh, <laughs> of Monday Night Raw has come up. Braun Strowman, Kevin Owens. I actually like this. I really dug it a lot. Uh, there were some really good spots. Uh, I appreciated how Kevin Owens was able to trust Braun Strowman because that was really on Strowman to drop him from the top of the ceiling and get him on down to the table like that was all on Strowman and Owens put all faith in him uh, that was a fantastic spot I don't think anybody can say anything bad about that and well actually the only thing you could say bad about it is that it kind of makes Strowman look stupid because Strowman loses the match so I guess in a way that moves Kevin Owens up but what does that matter for Braun Strowman because he's got the money in the bank uh, team hell no is ceremoniously taken out by the bludgeon brothers that was kind of a waste but i understand why they're doing that is because daniel bryan hasn't committed to a new contract so that match wasn't what it really could have been roman reigns versus bobby lashley wasn't hated by the crowd to my shock i thought that they were going to boo them out of the building and they actually did and they actually had a pretty decent match uh nia Jax, alexa bliss um I don't even know where to start with that one. That was <laughs> that was very entertaining. Uh, Ronda Rousey was uh, was it was in the crowd. She stepped in when she saw that Mickey James was helping out Alexa against uh, Natalia, who was of course some sort of sort of helping, uh, uh, sort of helping Nia Jax, but pretty much failing at it. Uh, you got Rusev Day versus AJ Styles. Uh, great match. Just the ending 
was a little disappointing. I actually was really hoping the Rusev Day would come through. But alas, Aiden English wasn't able to do the job for him, and he feels that he screwed it up for him. So could this be the end of them? Maybe. We're not sure. But I do know that that should have ended the night because the Iron Man match, as good as it was, had a horrific ending that left a real bad taste in my mouth. I cannot believe that they let it go for about 8 or 10 seconds into overtime, which could have been an amazing memory for Extreme Rules. It could have elevated this pay-per-view, but no. They bring out a man that was uh, thrown, uh, that was sent back to the locker room, and Drew McIntyre, you know, he was banned from the ring, and he comes in and he helps Ziggler win. Terrible. Hated it. Uh, go for it, man. Jump in. I know that I'm rushing through it, but we got to get to SmackDown. we got to get to Raw. <laughs> Uh, I would just say this, um, and a lot of our listeners and viewers, whoever, whatever way you follow this, uh, can agree that Extreme Rules wasn't extreme enough. You had some odd moments, you had some odd situations, you had a tribute to the Mankind Undertaker, Hell in a Cell, with Braun Strowman and then Kevin Owens. Um, best spot of the night. Have, best part, uh, AJ Styles and Rusev, in my opinion, lived up to the bill. Unlike Seth Rollins and Dolph Ziggler, but I'm I'm digging Drew McIntyre now. Uh, I like what I like what they're doing with his, his character. But the overall pay per view, in my opinion, a lot better than Backlash, but not as good as uh, Money in the Bank. Uh, so far, we've had three pay per views after WrestleMania. As you know, when WrestleMania ends, you get the new pay per view schedule. So far, Money in the Bank is one. Number two is. Extreme Rules, and number three is Backlash, because I think Backlash was a pretty boring pay-per-view, in my opinion. Uh, the Team Hell No situation, uh, there was rumors of certain uh, superstar returning to help uh, Daniel Bryan, and unfortunately, from what I've read, is that the superstar never really made it into the building, and that superstar was Rey Mysterio, so there was no comeback on that. Not yet, uh, anyway. Not yet, but there is rumors that Ray Mysterio has signed a contract with the WWE for two years, but it all depends on how he returns. Um, what else? Uh, Asuka is fading quickly. Uh, I don't know if they have to rebrand her or redo her or make her turn heel. I don't think her face as a face anymore is not working anymore. She has to have a major character change, in my opinion. The Alexa Bliss, Nia Jax, hoorah-rah, yeah, we've seen it before. We know what this match is going to deal with. It's getting ready for Ronda Rousey. And the match, in my opinion, that was absolutely useless in Extreme Rules uh, was my boy's match, Baron Corbin and Finn Balor, a.k.a. Mr. Smiley. Uh, I think um, that was maybe one of the most useless matches in the night. Should have been on the pre-show. And there's other two matches on the pre-show that shouldn't even be on the pre-show. They shouldn't have been even, you know... I take that back. I think Almas and Sin Cara should have been on the pre-show. I've uh, been the main card. Actually, um, I would have taken both of those over the Finn Balor one. I think that uh, Cien Almas is having a pretty good little rivalry with Sin Cara. But, of course, if you know that uh, what happened on SmackDown, he got quite the upgrade because uh, he went after AJ Styles. That came out of nowhere. But... That was that was great. Uh, it's a great like push a, for him because he's been winning quietly. Like, yeah, that's almost like a Shelton Benjamin run, like from back in the two um, thousands. Shelton yeah. Benjamin was always, you know, fighting, you know, D'Lo Brown or 
Bob Holly or Hardcore Holly, then one night he just challenged Triple H and beat him three straight nights. Um, that's what Almas is right now. And that's you can't compare him to Shelton Benjamin. He's not as how can I say? He's not as he has. It doesn't. He does have a lot behind him that Shelton Benjamin did have at that time. I would tell you right now that I would take off Finn Balor, Barry Corbin, I would take off Jeff Hardy and Shinsuke Nakamura. And I know blasphemous to say that about Hardy and Nakamura, but that match was nothing. They gave us like 10 seconds. So well, if you're going to give us 10 seconds, then put it on the kickoff show and give Cien Almas and Sin Cara the spot. There's a reason why they put that match there, because the United States Championship match, in my opinion, Extreme Rules, meant nothing. It meant nothing. The match itself meant nothing. It was all a disguise of the return of the 13-time WWE champion, a.k.a. the legend killer, Randy Orton. That is exactly what it was for. Randy Orton coming back as a bad guy, attacking Jeff Hardy from out of nowhere, was a fantastic move. Uh, he needs to be a bad guy. We've been talking about this for uh, for months, it feels like. Well, we may have been talking about it for months, but he's also been missing. So uh, he had an injury, but it looks like he healed up. And yeah, he's got to be this bad guy. Was uh, it an injury, or was it Vince McMahon giving him two months off for vacation? Because he did state that he wanted more free time for his family in contract negotiations, and he wasn't at contract here. I think it was all of the above. Because I do remember so, reading that he had an injury, but it wasn't like hey, Fabe. It was just because he he basically like disappeared off television. You know, it was yeah. just like that was kind of it. You know, so and he did a, get injured in the ring. Maybe he hurt yeah. he hurt himself uh, training, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, it could have been like something simple. It could have been like he felt something tight in his uh, hamstring. It's like, yeah, I don't want this to you know become something severe. So yeah, like don't want to aggravate it. Players they get that little tight hamstring. They're like, okay, we'll take a couple a couple days off. You know, put you on the 10-day DL, you know, list. So you may come back in 10 days and play. Yeah, But Randy Orton as a heel is the reason why the United States title was uh, scheduled. If not, that's six seconds. So, okay, Roshinsky did his little dirty tricks. He did the AJ Styles for the last two months. And that means... That I think we've pretty much said everything we got to say right now about Extreme Rules. Uh, any last notes before we move on to Raw? Anything at all? Unless your microphone. For- yeah. <laughs> any last thoughts on Extreme Rules before we go to Raw? Uh, none. Besides Asuka losing his, her character and people hitting each other in the nuts. And the relationship being broken between Aiden English and Rusev. No, I'm, I'm pretty good. Well, you know, I just thought of something besides the show, something that was going on behind the scenes that I feel like we'd be remiss if we didn't uh, at least acknowledge the elephant in the room. Hulk Hogan is back in the Hall of Fame. we got to get that out of the way real quick. Uh, I don't want to get anybody riled up on here. I'm just going to say that I think that, you know, as a society, we should be able to forgive people. What he said was incredibly fucked up, to, not to, you know, not to put it lightly. But if he can make the most of his opportunity to continue talking to people about, you know, how you shouldn't say these things, you shouldn't think that way, you know, try to be a better person. If he can promote that kind of thinking, okay, you know. But 
if he just basically is like, okay, I'm back in the Hall of Fame. I got my contract back. I'm good. I don't have to keep doing anything anymore. No, fuck you. No, you can't. You can't do that. Like Michael Vick is a prime example of somebody that did something terrible. You know, he he paid his due to society. He was you know, and and he's still doing positive things, going against what he did wrong in the first place. So if Hogan can do that, if he can prove that he has changed and he's a good person, all right, you know, let's at least give him a chance. But if he doesn't make the most of this opportunity, take a hike, get out of there. So I'm not like, yay, he's back, but I'm also like, well, let's see, let's wait and see. Uh, couldn't put it better. I just know this day and age with Twitter and Facebook, no matter what challenges you may have been with or what difficulties you or someone you know or even the superstar like Hulk Hogan has been through, we do know there will be a person, which if you follow us on Twitter at XF Podcast, I tweeted out the other day, it's like no matter what you do, some nerd in behind a computer is going to dig up stuff on you that you said 10 to 15 years ago. That has nothing to do with what the current situation is, what the current political and social landscape is, and their main job is to destroy you. Am I defending Hulk Hogan at this moment? No. What he said 15 years ago is exactly you know, harmful and disrespectful and very racial. But he did fight it in court, did win the case, because technically he didn't know he was being recorded, and technically that violates his rights as a United States citizen. So... Technically, by the law, it should have never happened. But I do say this, and I'm going to make it short because we got Ron Smackdown to get to. Um, if we can forgive superstars like Michael Vick, like Ray Rice, like Kobe Bryant, uh, name a few other. Like, there's a lot of people who forgave Aaron Hernandez, and Aaron Hernandez killed three people. Tanya Harding. <laughs> people uh, are starting to come around on her a little bit <laughs> if we can if we can forgive uh like greg hardy if we can forgive you know colin kaepernick on what side you you're on adam pacman jones there's Pac a lot of guys jones, uh vince young the list goes on and these people yeah they didn't you know say racial slur well rick flair people, you could throw rick flair in there too he's been known to say incredible racial things too you yeah. know rick flair is no stranger to controversy of that as well Allegedly, you know, in case we get sued here. <laughs> but if we can forgive those people, because they've done, yeah, they did not do what Hogan did. But one, you know, got caught doing a cockfighting, which is we're not talking about, you know, male parts. We're talking about actually, you know, chickens and hens fighting. The other one beat up his wife. The other one knocked out his wife. One allegedly killed somebody and got away. Then stole this Heisman Trophy winner, that trophy. Then he got put in jail. And you had a lot, hundreds of domestic violence where there's been reported cases of these pro athletes beating their girlfriends slash wives and getting away. And they're going back in the NFL or the NBA. And everyone forgets like it's never happened. <coughs> Kobe. Um, but if we can forgive those athletes, why can we not forgive Hulk Hogan? For instance, the New Day. And Tyus O'Neill, no, not not Tyus O'Neill. The New Day and Mark Henry both said we will not, you know, we will give him a chance to redeem himself. But if he doesn't show the effort that he's trying to redeem himself, then we can't accept him. Well, the New Day actually wrote that they were more like indifferent to it, like yeah, 
But yeah, Titus yeah, O'Neil's like, very upset. I know that Titus for sure. Titus O'Neil went off the cliff with it. He's like, F, F this, F that, F this, F that. He's he got every right. Where he went to a point where Twitter actually banned his account for like five hours. Really? That's how aggressive Titus O'Neil's thing got. He's got every right to think that, though. Yeah, his, he must have insulted somebody that violated Twitter. Shit, you can violate Twitter rules so easily now. Mm. And Alabama, ladies and gentlemen, this is not, this is off script. <laughs> Alabama football team, the five-time national champions in the last 10 years, got their Twitter page suspended this week because of a tweet they said six months ago to UCF after UCF claimed that they won a national title. And Alabama's tweet towards UCF was, that's nice, little boy. Play big boy sports before claiming national title. They got their account suspended this week because it went past a six-month delay for like two hours because Alabama refused to drop the tweet. Uh, There's no statute of limitation on the internet. (laughs) So Twitter can silence you no matter what. So I think some... Nerd, like I mentioned before, some nerd behind the TV or radio or computer screen or whatever, you know, just was digging stuff in for measures up. And go, oh, we forgot this. And they can silence you. That's how easy Twitter is. So be polite to people. But as a fan of the WWE, it has what you said. A lot of WWE superstars have done some crazy crap over the years. And other, and other stars in sports, give them a chance to, you know, give them a chance because if you did something wrong, or if our listeners did something wrong in real life and got, you know, in a pain, painful, like, separation, lost job, uh, lost their kids, or did something get financially, lose their home, you get, you want to give that person a second chance to redeem himself. Yes, Hogan has been an icon, a legend in the, in the business forever. Crap. He's been a legend. It's like he's going to be an immortal. Like I mentioned in our live show on Monday night that hopefully most of you seen is that Hulk Hogan will be immortalized. hundred years from now, people will remember Hulk Hogan better than they remember Michael Vick. They might forget, know you know, sometimes history, uh, you know, you, you forget the bad things because a lot of times they want to paint you in a, in a glorious light. It's possible, but here, look, we got to move on. This is definitely uh, <laughs> leave it to the Hulk Hogan conversation to to, to suck us in. <laughs> but yeah, I think you know how we feel about it. Um, so let's move. Two. Yeah, let's move on a little bit. Monday Night Raw. Uh, for those of you that saw the stream, you mo- you more or less know our feelings. But uh, one thing that we're going to do to change up the show a little bit is that instead of breaking down every single little thing that happens, we're going to like get the biggest highlights because you- we know you guys don't have all day to you know listen to us rant. We want to keep it to about an hour or so. So let's go sure? with the- let's go with the top bulletins. Bobby Lashley versus Roman Reigns this Monday night. Uh, they both won their triple threat matches. I actually did call that on the stream, and you can go Boy, check that shit. out. <laughs> uh, this upcoming Monday, the uh, winner is going to take on Brock Lesnar. Uh, <laughs> okay. History seems to be repeating itself quite a bit. Uh, I really want Roman to have the title, but uh, I I think that my fandom is going to have to step aside. And I hate to say this, but I think that uh, you're going to have to give the win to Lashley because it's kind of... 
Uh, you you got to have Lashley take it off Brock Lesnar at this point because I think that even if Roman wins it, you're still going to have so many of these angry fans that, that hate him that they're just, yeah, we're going to accept it. And when they could have done it, when they could have made it right, when they could have really made it fit, it should have happened to WrestleMania. They botched that. Could have happened to the greatest Rum- Royal Rumble. <laughs> they botched that too, even though technically Roman won. So I don't know. I, I, I believe you got to give it to Bobby Lashley. And have Roman take it from him later down the road. Uh, why am I the only one that expects that this match on Monday night, and that's coming up this Monday night, is going to end up in a countout and thus put in as a triple threat match at SummerSlam? Okay. I kind of. Hmm. I did not think of that. I probably should have. Because, yes. Brock Lesnar does not want to lose his belt to um, Samoa Joe. Uh, Roman Reigns. To Roman Reigns. But Roman Reigns doesn't have to pin Brock in a triple threat match to win the belt. That's true. He technically would lose it to him, but he wouldn't be pinned by him. And if Brock's going to be going and doing a six-month thing, because uh, he it looks like, yeah, he's officially going to UFC. If you saw the promos uh, with uh, Daniel Kamara, and uh, yeah, he shoved the guy. He's he's dipping back into the drug testing. So, yep, Brock Lesnar is going back to UFC, people. But he will be back after that. Uh, can Bobby Lashley, do you think he's got even a chance? You know? Do you think that he's he's definitely the one? Do you, are you certain that they're not just going to be screwing us over again and be like, psych, we're playing again. Brock Lesnar's sticking around for another six months. Uh, honestly, I don't think they can afford that, seeing that Brock Lesnar on the UFC. Possibly, Bobby Lashley seems like the guy to win off Brock is there's been like rumored that this match has been, you know, planned since WrestleMania um, before Bobby Lashley actually made his return in the WWE um, for superstars like uh, Seth Rollins, Baron Corbin, Braun Strowman, Kevin Owens to even get a chance to get back to the universal title picture or, you know, landscape. Bobby Lashley needs to win it at SummerSlam. Off of Brock Strowman, I'll say Brock Strowman. Oh my God, Braun Strowman or crap! There I go again. There I go. Yes, finally got it. Third try. Mulligan, Mulligan, Mulligan. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I think uh, Lashley. Honestly, I know you're a big Roman Reigns guy, and I respect the dude. Uh, but for the rest of the roster on Raw to get the Universal Title a chance of other matches, other pay per views coming up like Hell in a Cell. Um, uh, I don't know, Mercy, I think, or whatever, if they still have that wrestling on uh, pay-per-view. I highly doubt it. Uh, Bobby Lashley needs to win. If, if you're going to have this charade about Brock for another six months until WrestleMania, it's going to give a lot of fans really irritated that the most covenant belt in the WWE is the Intercontinental title. And it should be either the WWE Championship or the Universal, and one of those belts is never on Raw. So give the edge to Bobby, but I have the sneaky suspicion it's going to be a triple threat match. Yeah, what you just said about the uh, the title, 
when the Intercontinental Championship closes out the WWE title, yeah, you know which one's number one. <laughs> and it ain't the WWE title right now. The Universal title needs to come home. But, alas, we move on. So, this brings us to, I think, what might be one of the most intriguing things going on. Because I, I didn't see this kind of twist coming. If they're going in the direction that I think they might be going in. Is... Sasha Banks versus Bailey, a love story. And the reason why I bring that up, uh, okay. The, <laughs> I, I still don't understand this. Kurt Angle is having these two go to therapy. That doesn't make any sense to me. Why does he care so much? Uh, having, you know, friends turn enemies has happened left and right on his watch. So it should be no big deal. Uh, but yeah, he wants him to go to therapy and work things out instead of settling things in the ring, like he always says. Uh, apparently, uh, Sasha and Bailey had a breakthrough as uh, Sasha saved Bailey from an attack, and <laughs> they uh, they they both pronounced their love for each other. Sasha said, "I love you." Bailey's like, "I love you too." Why are we fighting? And it kind of. It kind of felt like a uh, like a romance underneath, and I wonder if WWE is actually thinking of doing a tasteful lesbian storyline because we all remember like Don Marie and Tori Wilson um, for a 13, 14 year old kid. That's fantastic. You know, I loved it at the time, but like you know, now WWE has evolved. You're not gonna have these kind of hot, salacious lesbian storylines like that. You know, like we're going to a hotel room, and if you don't do this with me, I'm gonna marry your father. No, like that's out of the window. Like this could actually be like the first like actual like tasteful lesbian relationship storyline in WWE history, and I think that that could be innovative. That if they do it right, that could go so well with, uh, you know, uh, with the uh, with the mainstream promotion. You know, like uh, the LGBTQ crowd, they're going to dig that because the last time that they tried this was Billy Gunn and um, Chuck Palumbo. If you guys remember that, that they were supposed to have a uh, a gay wedding on uh, SmackDown, and at the last minute they changed their mind, like, "No, we're straight. This is just for the gimmick," and it really, really pissed off a lot of people because it felt like WWE was getting cold feet with this kind of storyline, and they could correct those mistakes with this if that's what they're doing. Maybe I'm reading way too much into it, but if they were to do that, this could really be interesting. What do you think, my good man? Interesting to a degree where, will they call it a lesbian relationship or a same-sex relationship? Well, whatever you call it, whatever you got to do to be PC, but you or whatever, you know, because they are a publicly owned company. But this is something that could be innovative. It's something we've never really seen before. Besides, yeah. you know, girls in makeup and mud and throwing pies in their face, you know, all over their boobs. You know, it doesn't have to be like that. Yep, and um, please keep Eric Bischoff away from it as far as possible. Raw's new general manager taking over Kurt Angle, Eric Bischoff. Um, but yeah, this little feud we've been waiting for it actually happen. Um, to give us a little twist like this, it's interesting because you can go back to a lot of matches over the last couple of months, and you can you know their, their encounters, their you know, go talk to the counselor type of situation. Dr. Phil, all, all points, that. 
to like a dysfunctional relationship and are they teen poison or poison that's not even a damn word a teen <laughs> with each other buffers possibly can they go that direction like go actually go full bore making this an actual same sex relationship that is not what it used to be in the attitude era where you actually get brown panties matches and actually clearly almost live sex scenes in the ring if they do an actual relationship like i don't want to compare it to the same thing but like a beth phoenix to an edge or they're two wrestlers and they really did have a relationship to a, not not beth phoenix and edge um Ah, crap. Uh, Lita and Edge. Lita, Lita and Edge. Beth Phoenix. I'm thinking of his wife, who is Beth Phoenix. Um, that have like that character, like that storyline between Lita and Edge, where it was really like a legitimate storyline relationship, unless Bailey and Sasha actually do have that type of relationship behind the scenes that has not been known yet. Yeah, to the possible main main world a main world because we already know from you know proving ground and from a lot of wwe network shows bailey and sasha are really really good friends um so there could be some connection between the real life and wwe life um i just want to say for the wwe if you want to make good gracious in this to the LGBTQ community, hopefully I didn't mess that up. Hopefully I did do that right. I um, think you, I think you got it right. Um, go through it and make it legit. Uh, don't get cold feet and try not to piss off half the fan base. I think because we're in this new time of a, this new era, we're very you know open minded to new things. Um, and I guarantee if they did this like 10 years ago with the two females, they'll think, well, of course, you get the Eric Bischoff, but you won't get that, you know, actual relationship where you go have two characters that are actually like real relationships like you see in day and age in the world. I just want to say, if you're going to do with these two superstars that are, I can't say they're not legends in, this, in the women's division, but they're part of the revolution. They're one of the beginning, first ones to start it. Do it the right way. Don't ruin both characters or don't ruin both individuals outside of WWE, uh, unlike they're doing to Oscar. Uh, but anyways. Yeah, if they decide to go all Jerry Springer with it at the very end, ooh, boy, expect backlash. Yes. Pretty much as about as much backlash as Alexa Bliss got after uh, addressing her victory at Extreme Rules. Ron Rousey had something to say. And that was, you're dead. <laughs> she came out and took care of business, was beating the hell out of everybody. And up until Kurt Angle told her, look, 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 look. You want a shot at the title? You clearly do. How about this? Uh, as long as you don't touch Alexa Bliss from here on out until SummerSlam, you got your title shot. That sounded good to Ronda Rousey. And that sounds good to me, too. Because this at least gives Alexa Bliss a chance to talk all kinds of crap about Ronda Rousey and rile up people because Ronda Rousey can't do anything. She's going to do everything that she can to get Ronda Rousey mad and put a finger on her so she doesn't have to face her at SummerSlam. Uh, one thing that I really did like was uh, Baron Corbin coming out and losing his phone. I thought that was, uh, I thought they screwed it up at first because he's searching for his wallet. I'm like, 
oh crap, he really forgot his phone backstage. Uh, Kurt Angle pulls it out, and he's like, well, he can't call Stephanie to complain about this title match because he didn't consult with Baron Corbin, and that insulted Baron Corbin. I loved everything about this, except for the makeup. The the hair is all right, but the makeup. What was up with Ronda Rousey's makeup? Like, I, I she doesn't need to put on anything to look tough. In fact, she looks tougher without the makeup. It looked silly to me, but that's pretty much my only qualm with this uh, promo. I thought it was great. Well, the promo, in my opinion, was awesome. Just to me, like what you just said about Ronda Rousey, she looks like she just got out of an auditions for a Mad Max Fury Road uh, sequel movie. Um, Why didn't any of you guys tell me my, it was still on my eyes? Why'd you let me go out there with it like that? Um, because the reason why I mentioned that is that I saw Mad Max Fury Road the other day for the first time. The new one, not the one with Mel Gibson, even though the one with Mel Gibson is... Damn, you're behind. Ten times better. It was on, hey, it was on Sling DVR free movie. Okay, I just watched it. Uh, I still like the original, but off track. It looked like Ronda Rousey was, you know, getting ready to do an audition for the sequel to that movie. She looks like one of those characters. Uh, Ronda Rousey doesn't even makeup. She doesn't. She's a badass woman. She's a UFC Hall of Famer. Uh, she's a multiple-time champion. And, yes, you want to make her character seem like she's, what, the ninth wonder? I can't say ninth wonder world. That was China. Bingo. No, she was eighth, eighth wonder of the world. I thought she was Anyways. ninth. Oh, whatever. So the tenth wonder world or ninth wonder world, we'll get back to that, and we'll get, we'll look that up see if it's the ninth or tenth. But Ronda Rousey, eventually, everyone knows she's going to be the women's champion on Raw, um, and she's going to be dominant. And Alexa Bliss with her character and the Baron Corbett situation, and uh, uh, what was so unique about that? Was when Kurt Angle said, "Oh, he's looking for his phone." Yes, yeah, like oh, he pulls it out and actually shows it. Uh, that was a little. I That's just Kurt Angle's phone. But um, I like the match. Not a match. Uh, you could say it was a match. It was more of like a promo. Yeah, it was definitely a promo. I mean, there, there was a lot of butt kicking, but uh, yeah, that was definitely wow. a promo. Yeah. Um, I, I'm why my sense in a Kurt Angle and Baron Corbin feud brewing. It has to happen. I, I really want that. Um, but as of, this, as of right now, Ronda Rousey doesn't even make up to make her the woman of the WWE. Um, you can really, you can tell that Vince wants that to happen. Don't give her all the makeup. She's a badass by herself without it. Um, oh, by the way, China, ninth wonder of the world. Ninth wonder of the world. Just so to be totally Ronda clear. Rousey would be the... Tenth wonder of the world. Yeah. Uh, it's always going to be ten. Um, ten. That's the perfect uh, um, oh, song. Don't Thanks worry. We'll get to Ty Dillinger. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, interesting promo. Ronda Rousey has, from when she first debuted in the WWE, um, before WrestleMania, we've done shows before this about how her mic skills were trash. How she looks scared and nervous. Now you look at her in promo. She looks like she's been doing this for about 15 years. She has completely done a 180 in her promos. And it's selling. And she doesn't really need to be good at promos. Because it's Ronda Rousey. But damn. 
she's she's knocking out promo after promo. Now, let's get the storyline with Bliss getting going. I want to see that. I want to see how it's how that's going to happen. And I just feel bad for Mickey James because I feel like she's going to be a lot of arm bars from here on out. Well, I'll tell you right now, Ember Moon and the Riot Squad are having nowhere near the amount of attention being given to them as Ronda Rousey and Alexa Bliss are right now. They are definitely stuck in limbo right now as we transfer to them because uh, they, I, I actually thought that Sarah Logan and Ember Moon had a great match. Liv Tyler's been having good matches with Ember Moon, but there's been like zero substance. Have you noticed how kind of weird it is for the fact that they've been facing each other for like the last three or four weeks and there's never any back and forth between them on the mic. There's never uh, Ember Moon fighting with the Riot Squad in the back. You basically just have the Riot Squad running around, maybe annoying somebody or ruining their day, and then they just come out and face uh, Ember Moon. What's up with that? Give us a reason to care why these three fantastic, strong female wrestlers are being wasted. I know there's only so much room. Pretty much the last like 20 minutes we've been talking about the ladies, but like, yeah, they are the most compelling part of the show. But yet, Ember Moon and Riot and the Riot Squad are stuck right now. It's it's really annoying me. It almost makes me feel like they need to be traded, or at some point, please make these damn women's tag team titles so that Ember Moon can get a partner and start getting some gold in the Riot Squad can do something because without uh, Ruby Riot, they're they're. They're not doing anything. I mean, Ruby Riot puts the riot in the riot squad. So this is really depressing me just talking about it. Because Ember Moon just came out very recently and like has been killing it. But they haven't given her anything to run with. And the same thing for the riot squad. Do you have any ideas on how to fix this? Um, yeah. Uh, pretty simply put. Uh, your anger about this match and the anchor of this feud um, was not heard by our listeners or me. So you pretty much went on a rant where we didn't hear anything you just said, honestly, but got the last five minutes of it. Uh, so, Oh my God, you gotta be you, kidding me. If you want to repeat what you're saying, you can, um, we could just edit it out. Um, but yeah, I, I didn't hear one dang word you said, sir, about that match. Well, I'm sure that we could try to figure that out. Can you still hear me right now? No, you're fine right now. All right. Uh, yeah, that's the funky weather doing its job. I just heard the signal crackle. I had no idea that that was happening. But anyway, Ember Moon, Ruby Wright, simply put, so I don't take forever, they are stuck. They are not being presented with any kind of storyline. Every time that they fight for the last three to four weeks, all it is is the riot squad, what's left of them, ruining somebody's day and just coming out and facing Ember Moon. They put on good matches, but there's no substance. There's no storyline. You have no back and forth between them talking on the mic and saying, you know, whatever to each other, you know, whatever the storyline would be. Uh, you don't even have them interact in the backstage and they're they are stuck in limbo they don't seem to be going anywhere and i know that not everyone can be a star all at the same time there's only so much room but for god's sakes somebody give them a semblance of a storyline it's upsetting me at the fact that they have not been able to give these three ladies something really significant to do i completely agree with you um especially ember moon who is 
wasn't NXT. She was a dominant force, and it sounds like someone from SmackDown um, that oh, is Scott. not getting their proper due. The Riot Squad, in my opinion, has not been the Riot Squad since. Uh, ah, I forgot her name. Dang it, I forgot her name. Seems. What's the leader of the Riot Squad? I just Ruby Riot. Yep, Ruby Riot. She puts the riot in the riot. Riot in the squad. <laughs> now you screw uh, me up. <laughs> so yeah, uh, Riot Squad hasn't really been them since she's been hurt, and I feel like this is a a event or storyline or saga, whatever you want to call it. There's a story. Um. um it's caught right now in uh, you know, rush hour traffic on the Lincoln Bridge, um, and it's gridlock. So I don't see anything happening. Uh, they need to do something. Uh, Ember Moon is a good talent. She is a superstar that could become one of the greats in, on Raw or in the WWE. And if you keep her in these type of matches with the Riot Squad, uh, you're just starting another chapter of a Titus worldwide in the women's division. So you need to do something like you are. Like I agree with you. Uh, it's deadlock traffic. It's, they need to do something. Hell, I think and, they're, go they're going in neutral, they're going yeah. down a hill into a brush fire. And, uh, with a character like Ember moon and those eyes has, um, please don't ruin her. WWE. You already did that to a female on SmackDown. Um, but yeah, well, speaking of speaking of SmackDown and speaking of eyes, uh, well, we all know Jeff Hardy's got the probably the craziest looking eyes in the WWE right now. Uh, he opens up SmackDown, talking about how he is broken now, uh, all because of uh, Shinsuke Nakamura and his 10-second victory for his United United States Championship on at Extreme Rules. Uh, I didn't know how to feel about this promo. Uh, it really, I don't know. We're always fighting for like wrestlers to be themselves. Not have to have things written for them to let the words come out, you know, kind of like the rock, like he improvises, but this promo, there were parts of it that I liked, but then at the very end, it kind of felt like he just, he just kind of aborted it. Like, all right, I'm out of here. Like, no. Yeah, let's get this going. It was a very strange ending, and the fact that he's saying that he's broken, he's broken, feels like such a ripoff of his brother. But like, there's no actual kind of like connection right now to that. It's just like, why does he have to say, you know, broken? It's like, to, I, I, I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, it's not. It, it just didn't feel very true. Why can't he just be the enigma that happens to be Brother Nero? It, it just feels like he's copying. Like they're just copying and pasting it on him. It's like you got to try a little harder than that, guys. You could tell that Jeff Hardy wants Brother Nero's character in the WWE. Mm -hmm. that's, you can tell. That's where the contacts are coming from. That whole thing is from but, that. But how the promo started, it started all right. He's like, oh, okay, SmackDown, Jeff Hardy. Okay, woo, yay, yeah, yeah. And his character, I can get his character. Then all of a sudden, how he ended the show about North Carolina, yeehaw, and went off. Uh, who the, is that Jeff? Is that the person, Jeff Hardy? That's not the character, Jeff Hardy. He just like completely got out of his character. Um, but yeah, he's broken because he lost the United States Championship. 
Yep, it's back down, trying to find a way to keep the United States title in the forefront, trying to keep it, you know, keep getting its time in the light, trying to make it worth anything. Um, I thought Shinsuke Nakamura's promo was better when he called uh, Jeff Hardy a sad clown. I like that. I thought that was actually pretty good. Well, you, you can put the rest, uh, or you can put one thing to rest. People said that uh, after Shinsuke Nakamura was going to lose to AJ Styles in the pay-per-view, um, uh, Money in the Bank that said his contract was going to be over and he was going to be gone. Uh, apparently, that is a bunch of BS because he's now the United States champion. And really, he has no feud with anybody besides Jeff Hardy right now. But with the addition, of course, when we said earlier in the show with Randy, Randy Orton. Orton. Uh, Randy Orton. Randy Orton did yell. Process right now. It is confusing, but I do recall. I can't remember if it was at the pay-per-view or Tuesday. Uh, Randy Orton was like, where's Shinsuke? And Shinsuke looked concerned, like, oh my god, is Randy Orton going to do that to me? Because Randy Orton did have the United States Championship not that long ago. Maybe he just wants it back that badly. If he could get three stars of this caliber fighting over this title, this could definitely help the United States title. But I just can't help but feel annoyed that Shitsuke Nakamura got it through a 10-second nutshot match. <laughs> that devalues it right away to me. But, but uh, oh, go for that it. That's like that... We're starting. We thought that was just a little gimmick that Shinsuke was going to do. That you thought he was going to get old. Now, now it's becoming Shinsuke's like repertoire. That's him now. And now I get why he's he's doing that. Yeah, hitting the guys in the nuts are really. Well, it's like uh, when Randy Orton used to kick people in the head. People hated that. So why you keep doing that? Because that looks, okay. it looked so much more menacing. Like when somebody keeps get, like keeps punching somebody in the balls. It's like that episode of The Simpsons where uh, Homer is a film critic, and his favorite movie that he's voting for is guy hits gets hit in the crotch with a football. Oh, you know, like come on, like that's gonna get old quickly. Even uh, Willie Regal didn't hit people in the nuts as much as this guy does now. I mean, yeah, he had brass knuckles, but just like just like the the punt that uh, Randy Orton does, the brass knuckles are way cooler. And you're always wondering when are they going to pop out when when like you have a wrestler that is as good as Shinsuke Nakamura and also a champion like Shinsuke Nakamura, having to hit somebody in the nuts that often actually deteriorates the character because then every single match that you're going to watch him, that you're going to see him, and now you're going to be wondering, well, why doesn't he just hit the guy in the nuts? He'll get disqualified, and he'll keep the title. You know, that's all I'm thinking about now. They need to get rid of that. Like, that is seriously hurting his character. But we know Vince McMahon likes nut shots. Back to the Homer Simpson analogy. Guy, <laughs> old man gets hit in the groin with a football. Yep. Except, well, Vince McMahon is the old man that's laughing instead of getting hit in the nuts. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's very true. That's a, that's very true. Uh, but I know it'll take time for people to get used to Shinsuke because I know Shinsuke, when he first got into the business, was a big time, you know, big pop in the crowd uh, with an awesome intro. Um, I'm still the one who believes that his new one is actually better than his original one. But I love his new one. People, 
I love the new one. I love the Japanese uh, rap in the background. That's pretty cool. That's unique. You don't see that a lot in the WWE. But the we haven't discussed the match between Jeff Hardy and Shinsuke. Uh, those two guys, yes, he had a six-minute, six-second match that really was a match, pretty much a return of Orton on Extreme Rules. You had a very awesome match between these two guys on SmackDown. Yes, I can't complain um, about that. That match was great, and Jeff Hardy still did the Swanton Bomb. Even though we know that he's injured right now, he's been having lower back issues, he still did it. That tells you how much that man loves the business. That was a sweet match. Man, he did a good Swanton Bomb. Unfortunately, um, he didn't land it right. No, he didn't. He didn't land it right. Uh, you could tell he hit his ass um, hard. Um... Excuse my language, but it's the truth. Uh, it's all uh, good. Knew, I, he, I pulled out the f bombs with Hogan earlier. <laughs> yeah, and he was uh, he he was a three count away of getting his belt back, and of course that's when the Viper returns again, and then Jeff Hardy just gets his ever loving butt kicked by the return of one of the greatest heels in the WWE, maybe the goat of all heels. In the WWE. Whoa, uh, now. Uh, Jeff, uh, ooh, Chris Jericho might have something to say about that, but I will say RKO oh, oh, is so up there. I'm be He's on up there. List? I think he, he oof, dude, you're, you're, you're treading very close, man. You're treading very close. It would be an honor to get on his list. That means he'll be paying attention to us. <laughs> uh, you know what? Not a bad point. No such thing as bad publicity. <laughs> yeah, correct. But yeah, the two of them have have chemistry. Uh, that spot where uh, Randy Orton is pulling on the uh, well, but Jeff Hardy has gauges in his ears. So if you know anything about having gauges in the ears, you know that there's a gigantic hole, and it's like he basically has donuts, you know, for for earlobes. And uh, Randy Orton is pulling on Jeff Hardy's uh, gauge hole. Like, <laughs> wow, like that was brutal. That. That looked like it hurt so much. I thought for a moment that like maybe Jeff Hardy gave him the okay to actually like rip his ear for the business, but no, uh, RKO uh, Randy Orton did not break or rip his ear. But it looked fantastic. It probably looked worse than it really was, but man, that it it really it really got Randy over as a true bona fide heel. Now the, the crowd reactions were great. Here's a question. Nope. If this was the attitude error, you think he rips his ear? Possibly. Okay. Uh, move along. Possibly. Uh, let's see here. Sienna Almas from out of nowhere as well, like an RKO, gets a hell of a push by WWE as he takes on AJ Styles in a really good match. Like, this guy is proving why he was signed by WWE. And if he keeps on putting on matches like he had with AJ Styles, he's going to go places. Uh, he did not win. Uh, he tapped out to the calf crusher, which I found rather surprising because I thought that if you were going to have any way to end this, you might want to go with the DQ with like his wife being involved. I don't think that having him tap to the calf crusher you know, first time facing AJ Styles was a good idea. It was a great match. He still went over, you know, with the fans. But um, 
I am a little concerned that that kind of, you know, makes him look a little weaker, like especially how quickly he tapped out. I mean, he, he barely looked for the rope for even three seconds. He gave up within about four seconds. Uh, that That's really my only quibble with it. Uh, I, I thought the match was fantastic, and Almas is absolutely deserving of it because they brought him up, and he's another guy that we were talking about that they just didn't seem to have anything for. <laughs> now they do. Huh. Yes. It was kind of odd that Almas tapped very quickly. But him getting the push for AJ Styles, in my opinion, is huge. Huge. I, I can't say Huge. Right it's going to be huge. great and huge. Biggest you've ever seen. <laughs> um, but I knew if you're going to give the uh, Alamis a push, you, I knew he wasn't going to beat AJ Styles because that'd be too much of a push, too quick. And we've seen superstars get massive pushes to start off and just fade away as fast as they came on. Um, one guy that pops in my mind very easily is Mr. Kennedy. Kennedy, um, Kennedy, Kennedy. And got a massive push. Got into big matches and then just went as fast out of the business as he came in. He kind of did it to himself, unfortunately. Yeah, he was apparently not a good individual in the backstage. Different guy now, though, from what I hear. But they're still not letting him back in, which is a shame. I'd like to see him get another chance. Yeah. uh, One of the best promo intros in the business. Uh, But... Does anybody lose to the Cap Crusher? I was actually just thinking that. I can't remember the last time I saw somebody tap out to the Cap Crusher. Um, because we know that AJ Styles is not a submission specialist, but when was the last time? Because you can you can notice by a lot of superstars, uh, like Jeff Hardy can do the. Um, I almost said Famouser. He doesn't do the Famouser. Ziggler. <laughs> um, he can, Jeff Hardy can do the twist of fate and, and pin somebody, and someone's not—they're going to kick out. Triple H can do a pedigree, and no, and someone's going to kick out. Um, Walls of Jericho, no one's tapped out of Walls of Jericho in forever. Yeah, um, he started using the code breaker more often than anything as like the and, closer. But you haven't seen wrestlers tap out to submission moves that like what AJ Styles does. The, the cap crusher and he almost t- taps without any you know passion to get to the ropes is it vince saying to almas you're the next up-and-coming superstar we're gonna give you the taste of you know wwe champion what it can be uh wwe champion but we're gonna still tell you hey you're still losing matches how you're gonna lose your match just giving him that taste but saying that it's there but you still got to go earn it type of situation. I think it, it's Vince McMahon saying, go out there, go show what you can do. Um, if you impress me, you'll get more of these matches, but you're not winning the night. It's possible that it, it it could be a let's test you out, see how you do against them. You know, this is your push. Or it could be a, you know, Look, we're feeding it to AJ Styles, but you know, just put on the best match that he can, and he 
exceeded expectations. But I think that his last two matches with Sin Cara have really helped him out because it's not like his previous matches were bad. I mean, he was still winning, but it seemed like there was something missing. I don't know how to put it, but with Sin Cara, who has taught him, allegedly, storyline-wise perhaps, uh, he apparently taught him, uh, you know, he taught him the ropes, no pun intended, and, uh, I, you know, that because Sin Cara taught him, maybe they had that chemistry, maybe it was for real, and it looked so good that Vince said, you know what, let's give this guy a shot, he's been here for a while, we've been promoting him, he's got his own uh He's got his own uh, mouthpiece and his wife, who does great work on the mic for him. Uh, this, yeah, so this either went, is, is, okay, long story short, this is either going to go two ways, I think. Either this was a tryout, you know, for a push, or it was a, you're going to be fed to AJ Styles to keep him warm because he has no rivalry right now, but put on the best match that you can kind of situation. So I think that's probably the best answer I got right now because we just haven't really seen enough of Cien Almas to really have a clear picture or is there nobody that's in the roster right now that can compete or were they running out of superstars and smackdown mini they might be they did just sign new uh, nine new uh talents to developmental so it sounds like that, that sounds like a lot of people they're trying to get ready heck yeah, we just heck we just saw ty dillinger as well <laughs> during this night but before we get to him uh, Becky Lynch, someone that we were complaining about for months and months, was losing and losing and losing. And now she's continuing to win, 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 and climb up the ranks. And not only did she get yet another victory on Tuesday uh, after she defeated Manny Rose, who, <clears throat> God, they, they really need to fix her intro because it's so bland and boring and it just makes her look like a porn star <laughs> i mean i'm not 100 percent complaining about that but come on you know it, it felt like so 1997 or something you know <laughs> uh she continues to win and she got uh another victory and she's calling out the locker room and afterwards uh she's going after carmella general manager page said that uh they would have a match next week if the champ wins she can throw a metal brush but if there's a loss then the Last kicker will get a title match at SummerSlam. I want that so badly, and I'm so glad that Becky Lynch is finally getting the respect that she deserves. The glory. They're not really pushing pushing us, uh, Becky Lynch, but they're doing just enough where Becky Lynch's promo on SmackDown sold her over more as a true contender for the SmackDown Women's Championship. Yeah, Manny Rose is definitely not on the rise at the moment. Uh, Becky Lynch deserves it. And I hope WWE hears this because we've been telling them for quite a while. Maybe they are listening. Maybe we need to get our aluminum hats ready because uh, Vince is crazy. Maybe he just sits around and listens to us. <laughs> but uh, speaking of Becky Lynch getting her due, our truth didn't exactly get his due because you pretty much never see him anymore. But he had a pretty sweet cameo with Ty Dillinger. I just wanted to say I thought it was absolutely hilarious that Ty Dillinger misunderstood what our truth was saying to him. What our truth is actually on the phone talking to his mom. <laughs> what, what was it that he said? He actually said, uh, I, "I didn't say go after Samoa Joe." It was something that he, that he said, and uh, he, he said. 
Ty, I said you need to smile more, not go after Samoa Joe. That's what it was. You need to smile more now to go Samoa Joe. I was just waiting for R-Truth to say, oh, oh my bad. <laughs> well, I guess it kind of would have been out of place because who was he going to say it to? The cameraman? So Probably. Or a little man. Unless he still has his, lo- his invisible friend somewhere. Uh, who knows? Maybe he's hanging around. Our truth is cameo was over, which uh, brought us to Samoa Joe taking on Ty Dillinger. Uh, not not a bad match, actually. I have to say, I'm starting to kind of feel bad for Ty Dillinger because he was. It seemed like he was on his way to doing something, and we kind of trashed on him a little bit. But to be fair, I'm, I'm starting to feel bad for him. I actually want him to get a couple of victories, but no, Samoa Joe basically killed him. Uh, Dillinger got off to a pretty hot start, couldn't close it out. And he got choked out by Samoa Joe. Uh, do you think Dillinger is he just a punching bag right now for Samoa Joe? Or are they actually going to try to throw him a bone and like maybe get him up the ranks a little bit? Uh, he's a punching bag for sure. And it's more my opinion of Samoa Joe because I think Samoa Joe right now has more potential as a character. Samoa Joe has more pedigree than Ty Dillinger. And I feel like you don't have Samoa Joe losing to Ty Dillinger in that situation. That's like having the authors of pain losing to a local tag team on Raw. That's just going to hurt Samoa Joe's character. Yeah, but at the same time, you could you could start off like a new kind of like uh, David and Goliath kind of storyline. Yeah. yeah, but they didn't start off that way. Eh, did they not, though? Because, you know, Ty Dillinger, you know, he was getting a lot of hits in, and it wasn't until Samoa Joe really got, you know, the quick upper hand that that was a wrap. Uh, it felt like the little guy was going after the big guy, and then the big guy just kind of like, you know, like an awoken, uh, awaking, uh, waking up a sleeping giant. And he just took out Ty Dillinger, and that was a wrap. So maybe they could work with something there. Maybe give it a David and Goliath kind of touch. But uh, who knows? It was too short a match. It was too quick uh, to really know at this point. You know, it, Whenever you have these storylines that are starting out uh, very fresh, never exactly sure where it's going to go, unless it's just blatantly obvious. But right now, it's not blatantly obvious. The Miz went on afterwards to have himself a funeral for Team Hell No. And it was... Spectacular. I thought it was hilarious. I liked how Corey Graves was crying, you know, pretend crying. And Byron Sachs did ask him, are you crying? He's like, no, there's something in my eye. Uh, The Miz actually at first sounded like he was really giving a nice eulogy. And then, of course, like he always does, just turns around and buries Team Hell No and says, I knew that this would happen, that you guys would fail. You're all a bunch of losers, blah, 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 blah. Dana Bryan comes out and kicks his ass. This is it. This is what we've been waiting for for a few years now since uh, Daniel Bryan became general manager. This is what we've been waiting for. This uh, Because uh, Kane is going to be out. He's got a legitimate injury. He's been spotted with the, with the cast on his foot, so Team Hell No is indeed done for a while. Daniel Bryan and The Miz, SummerSlam, boom. This is going to keep going for a while. I don't know if it's going to make it all the way to WrestleMania, but I 
definitely think that The Miz and Daniel Bryan will be having a match at SummerSlam. Well, it's because we've seen this before, and it's sold before. Daniel Bryan and The Miz's characters, their chemistry, the story that they've already had together, and be more and more epic as it progresses. The Team Hell Known Funeral is a classic Miz TV skit. Give me The Miz, give me Daniel Bryan. Years ago, before he became the general manager, because those matches were fucking epic. Oh, excuse my language. Those matches were epic. And I want more of them. Skits was awesome. The beatdown was awesome. But yes, there will be a match at SummerSlam. And hopefully it continues for a couple pay-per-views. Seeing that we have now dual brand pay-per-views. So we may have one all the way to WrestleMania. I don't think it's going to go all the way to WrestleMania. Um, I think maybe Royal Rumble. Maybe where it ends. Uh, but still, we got it back. And it's always good when the Miz and Daniel Bryan are facing each other. Because it's like Stone Cold and The Rock when they face each other. Great matches all the time. Interesting comparison. I don't know if I go that far. But it definitely is. Uh, it, it is a great rivalry. It is It is one of the great ones. Not sure if it's on Stone Cold Rock level. But we'll see if they can put on a good enough match. All right. If it was a Stone Cold Rock level... Um, Jericho and Edge. Alrighty then. I can meet you there. Okay. Since we already discussed Jeff Hardy and Shisuke Nakamura and the ear of pain that uh, Mr. RKO dished out, uh, I think that we should close out the show by discussing Kofi Kingston versus Eric Young. You know, the New Day versus Sanity. Uh, I got a big question. But first, I just want to say, I thought it was a very good match. However, I thought the ending was just a little bit sloppy. When I say sloppy, I mean how like literally, how the very, very end went where he had Kofi accidentally getting hit by one of his own teammates. No, 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 it wasn't. It was one of the members of Sanity. Uh, it hit him and sent him back in the ring like uh, like he was sticking his head through the, through the turnbuckles for a second. And pow! Next thing you know, Eric Young gets the victory. Which is fine on paper, but it's just the way that Kofi got hit. It didn't look right. It looked like somebody mistimed it, whether it was Kofi or one of the members of Sandy. I'm not sure. I thought it was a little sloppy, but hey, whatever. Small blemish. But the more important question that I have overall is Sanity. Are they boring? I know they're not supposed to be. They're supposed to be these characters that come in and shake things up. They're supposed to be like carnage, you know? Like, they call themselves sanity, but they're the opposite of that. Everywhere they go, chaos ensues. But we kind of already have that. We got the authors of pain, you know? Everywhere they go, they cause anger, chaos, pain. Uh, you got, you know, Bray Wyatt, you know, you, and, and Matt Hardy. They're eaters of worlds. Uh, you got yourself uh, the Bludgeon Brothers, of course. You know, like these guys go around. What do they do? They cause chaos and havoc. It's just like everybody does that now. And unfortunately for Sanity, what separated them in NXT is really not translating very well in WWE. And I wonder if it's possible that the lack of Nikki Cross maybe has something to do with that. Or maybe these guys have just simply been lost in translation. Because to me, as good as they are, uh, 
I just feel like they just they, they don't feel very different. There's there's nothing about them that really feels as special anymore to me, which sucks to say because I always wanted to see them come up and come up sooner. But what they've done with them has not blown off my socks whatsoever. And I don't know what else I have to say about that right now. I guess that uh, for me, I've answered it on my end. Is Sanity boring? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, kind of boring. There's still time to fix it. Like, it's not like, you know, the sky is falling unlike it is with, with Oscar right now. These guys still have a bit of time left to save themselves. But for me, I think that, yep, they're a little unoriginal and a little boring. How are you feeling about them? Um, Sandy, in my opinion, has always been one of those groups or factions that can cause a little, you know, havoc, you know, testing moments. Um, I was never sold on them. And then, yes, they were good at NXT, but they weren't really that tag team that I've, like, I ended up, man, they're going to be future Hall of Famers. Um, yes, the Kofi Kingston, Eric Brown match was well, kind of intriguing. Um, there was kind of a mix-ups, um, even though Kofi Kingston is the elder of all those people. Um, Sanity, their story, yeah. Mm, okay. They're supposed to be like some tag team from the Dark Abyss that could cause chaos. Um, were they supposed to be an emo version of uh, the Brood? I was thinking um, Ministry of Darkness. No, yeah. Hell, uh, Bray Wyatt and his flock, you know? Like, there's just really yeah, nothing but about these Bray guys. Bray Wyatt's flock was a lot more aggressive, and you can, they can, he sold the group. There's no individual on Sandy that can sell his group like Bray Wyatt did. Yeah, nobody really seems to stick out. Eric Young, I think, is great, but, like, yeah, nobody's really been sticking out. Like, they haven't really talked a whole lot either. Like, I haven't really. And when they do, it, it's. Eh, whatever, you know? Like, I, just, I just have a feeling that Vince wants these factions, but he's trying to image different characters and different groups, different wrestlers together that you think they can build chemistry. They're trying, he's trying to do the same blueprint like what the New Day did. The New Day has been around for now together for about three, maybe four years. And you have a prominent member on that team that can take the realms of the New Day each and every day. You have Kofi Kingston, you have Big E, you have Xavier Woods, and you have those three characters, you know, they take, you know, the lead now and then. On the Sandy, you have, what, Eric Young? And he, in my opinion, it's not the type of guy who can be that Bray Wyatt, can be that Undertaker, or be that uh, Edge, the leader of a tag team or a leader of a faction. It just doesn't... They, yes, their gimmick's pretty neat. Their intro's a little. I love know, their intro. It, their intro is nice, but if you you know if you're claustrophobic and you caused and that can cause you dizziness, um, it's just if they feel like a tag team slash faction that has already hit the wall. You know the you you know how the sports told you the rookie wall or the sophomore wall. I have a feeling that Sandy has already hit the wall. I, um, 
it's kind of like their affection this come over to take over a land that's already been taken over <laughs> like you're yeah. late to the party man one thing that i was just thinking about is that perhaps vince mcmahon is so terrified to to accidentally create a new nwo that he keeps everybody so separate but yet doesn't provide enough uh depth you know it, it yeah other than like really the new day the b team bray wyatt matt hardy the revival uh cesaro and sheamus uh, I, I feel like most everybody else is kind of like your wannabe chaos guys. And that's the biggest, yeah, you know, like we were just saying, I think that's probably the biggest reason why Sandy is struggling. Uh, they're kind of pigeonholed a little bit. Maybe we do need bigger factions or at least uh, like the mafia uh, associates, you know, maybe not necessarily family, but your your associates, you know, like the Lucchese, uh, they they had gangs underneath them. They had Irish gangs that worked together. They could the Irish gangs could never be made, but they could still work with the Genovese family and the mafia. So why not have a little bit of a touch like that? Like, yes, we know the NWO killed everything in WCW, but that doesn't mean you can't bring back that idea once in a while as long as you don't drive it into the ground like uh, Eddie Guerrero's death being driven into the ground uh, by WWE and all the terrible storylines uh, and just milked no that. Pun intended. I know, as soon as I thought about it, I was like, oh crap, because I started within the ground part. Uh, whatever. You know what I mean. They used Eddie Guerrero for way too long. WCW used the NWO for way too long. You can use factions as long as you don't use them for too long. It's doable, but Vince is too scared to have factions and associations like that. He's afraid that it will Will turn into a new NWO and that will hurt the brand. But at the same time, by not freshening things up every once in a while in the tag well, he team was area. Okay with evolution? Exactly. Exactly. Like evolution feels like the last truly great fashion. I mean, yeah, you had the Nexus, but yeah, what happened with that? Da, 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 da. No. One, two, three, well, done. Evolution was the last faction in the WWE that I remember that held every single belt. Of the business at one time. Well, at least on Raw, Intercontinental, World Title, and Tag Team Championships. Raw, I think Tag Divas Team titles. or Women's Title as well. Uh, I, think, I think Steph had it. Uh, yeah, I guess Steph was. Uh, I don't remember her being really involved with it because I always just remember Flair, uh, Randy Orton, Triple H, and Dave Batista. Like, that's like it for me. I don't think of anybody else with them. But it is possible mm. that Stephanie was it. But I thought Stephanie only won it in like 2000 or 1999. I thought that was the only time that she won the women's title. Uh, possibly. But regardless, Sanity is kind of stuck in the sand right now. They they just can't seem to differentiate themselves from anybody. And yeah. they could really do with a solid storyline and association. But, you know, we're throwing stuff up against the wall because we want these guys to be good. And it seems like they're kind of, you know, handcuffed. But anyway, look, I think that for a return to the Just Bring It Wrestling Talk podcast. We have gotten a lot out of the way. <laughs> and we appreciate you guys sticking around with us, even though we didn't have anything up for about three weeks. It has been a total struggle. Uh, we're going to keep working to get 
the show with the best possible quality that we can provide. And we really do appreciate you guys listening. Remember to follow us on at XF podcast at the wrestling movie G at wrestling movie G. Uh, we're going to be back on Monday night. We're going to be doing the live stream. Uh, come join us, you know, send in your comments. Uh, if you want to, you know, hang out with us. Yeah, let's do it. We're going to be watching the show live. Just time it with us, and boom, you're good to go. Might have different commercials depending on where you live in, but uh, <laughs> it should still be fun. Uh, anything you want to say before we go, Chief? Uh, follow us on Twitter. Catch us for updates. XF Podcast maybe coming pretty soon. Still not a lot of XFL news, but we'll figure out something to talk about. And, um, and we're back. And WWE Raw, movie reviews, lottery. Um, yeah, that's about it. <laughs> All right, guys. Until next time, or, well, very soon, until Monday. Come join us, and we'll catch you later, guys. Oh, I'm touching myself tonight. I'm Ron Burgundy. You stay classy, San Diego.